welcome to decoded by thredo a podcast series where i interview founders support leaders and community builders and decode how to do exceptional customer community support at the intersection of ai this podcast is presented by thredo ai an ai powered support copilot that delivers lightning fast support leaving your customers delighted create your own custom ai bot that is trained on your knowledge base customer conversations help docs pdfs urls you name it and deploy it as an embed on your website or add it on slack discord where your customers can interact and get instant answers thredo ai is not just a tool but it is a paradigm shift of how support can be efficient responsive and personalized try it today at thredo.ai now let's get back to this episode and discover the unconventional methods to do great customer community support what's up everybody welcome to the new show decoded by thredo uh, we recently revamped our name and uh, this guest is the second guest on this new theme and i'm excited to actually bring uh, tom blossom welcome to the show how are you feeling today tom hey thanks great to be here thanks for having me feeling good absolutely yeah i i've heard a lot of things about you from our founders uh promote and abhishek when they met you in sf uh so i'm very excited actually because you seem to seem to be like a veteran in the space like you've done a lot in the support uh industry and we, you know let me let me guy, give you guys like a brief intro of you know tom what he did in the past and before we dive into the show i would call tom as a, as like a veteran like i said and he's an expert in customer success and support implementation customer onboarding strategic planning he not only focuses on bringing value to the table but also ensures that customer voices aren't lost in this process that's very key and one of the key qualities i admire in support leaders is that you guys listen like pay attention to customers pay attention to the community and translate and transform that 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 voice to the team internally right that's that's something i really admire and he's dedicated his life improving customer experience and aligning resources with organizations to uplift profitability he worked uh at sentry he had lot tons of experience like recast success uh instana he set up like support teams from ground up there and he's right now exploring the coaching opportunities as well which you know kind of like something we can cover as well but tom right off the bat how the hell did you uh as a, as you started like beginning your career in in support how the hell did you like kind of grew this big like you've had so much you over like i think what 20 years of experience if i'm not wrong yeah uh, right how did you actually maintain the longevity in in one industry not wavering yourself into like you know different different pieces oh interesting question yeah i mean i would say that i spent about the first 10 years of my career focused on customer support so hmm. um i had worked at some large companies and some smaller companies uh as an individual contributor and then like a supervisor, regional manager and then onwards from leading the team. And mm-hmm. I think personality-wise, I'm always interested in and it makes gives me a lot of satisfaction I should say if 
the people I'm working with, the customer, my employees, my colleagues are happy. And mm -hmm. so, you know, that's what motivates me. So I think with that frame set in mind, then that's why I've stayed on the, I would call it the customer experience realm. So staying in post sales. So again, started in support the first 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then after that, um, also added on to my skill set and my interests on the customer success side. So mm -hmm. branching out from being, I would call it more reactive on the support side to a certain right. degree to being more proactive on the success side. And I think when you combine the two, um, it's really critical to have that positive customer experience if you want to keep and grow your customers. So that's what's kept me excited for, for all these years. I love that. I think you, you have, you've kind of had like two sides of a coin. One is like you said, I think that's the best definition when someone can define support and customer experiences reactive versus proactive. Right. I love that. And you kind of like, molded yourself in both sides of coins so you see the both worlds uh, in and out uh what are some things that you've learned on one let's talk about the reactive side which is the support side right mm -hmm. uh what are some things that you've learned over the time that these days entrepreneurs founders or even like support leaders you know they're when they're getting started or establishing their teams in support they're like blatantly missing and you are like, gosh, I wish like, you know, I can like really slap them and say that, Hey, you shouldn't miss these key 10 elements or like three elements or whatever, how many you want to call it? Well, I think a couple of things come to mind. One is that, um, <clears throat> uh, support the information in the tickets, the information from you know, the agents or the customer engineers, whatever the terminology is used is critical to improving the product. So mm -hmm. uh, depending on the nature, they could have 10 interactions with a customer a day, 100 a week, who knows, you know, the, the numbers could be pretty wide. And it's important that the information about what's causing friction, what's causing problems, what's causing questions, really needs to be available to product managers to improve the product. And as well as to engineering, if there mm -hmm. is uh, maybe glitches, bugs, gotchas that are getting in the way as well, uh, that engineering is more likely to take care of. So that's, uh, you know, that's definitely one area. Uh, the other aspect too, is that it's, you know, support can sometimes feel like a cost center and, uh, but it can really, especially in a SaaS business, make or break the business in my mind where a positive support experience is going to make your customers more likely to recommend your product. And if they have, even if you have the flip side, even if you have a great product and if support's not good, the person at the other end doesn't seem to care. They're not volunteering, maybe some best practices in addition to answering your question, then they're not going to be that excited to use, continue to use your product or expand it or recommend it to others. So uh, those are a couple of areas that I'd keep in mind. And talk to me, elaborate a little bit about uh, establishing a, a standard process where uh, you get these tickets, you get these questions, I would call like from customers saying, hey, this is this broke. I need I need you to fix this from there to 
like you're communicating that to like your PM or the POC from product side and saying, hey, this module has been like broken or whatever it is, the, the, the product related thing. What are the steps people should take for a smooth, uh, linear, completely like kind of non-disturbed flow going from that customer to internal PM? What is that, you know? Uh, framework look like or anything that you want to expand on that um well there's the you know whatever the ticketing system is being used should be uh transparent available the pms should have a, a login to it and ideally depending on the size of the company perhaps mm -hmm. have a couple of things they could have tickets directly assigned to them um so they get alerted if there is a ticket um backing up a second though First and foremost, you need to have what I'd think of as like an internal SLA. So mm. do you have an agreement with your counterparties internally, product management, engineering, et cetera, that, mm. you know, if I assign, you agreed that you want to look at customer feedback. If I assign you a ticket, what are you going to do? Are you going to get back to the customer? Are you just going to read it? Who's going to do what? Because you don't want at the end of the day, that person that opened the ticket to have a bad experience. So mm -hmm. I would get that that framework again that internal sla sorted out first hmm. um and then in oftentimes too it's not as much as on a per ticket basis it's more what is the information in aggregate you know the pms hmm. are busy they're not going to necessarily read individually hundreds of tickets so what i recommend in that case is you have a weekly or bi-weekly meeting where support can bring to the table talk amongst sort of ourselves, you know, here's the top five things we've been seeing and are mm. things that have been in the backlog that still keep coming up and mm. talk about it and say, you know, this big customer complained about it as well as these three smaller customers. And uh, having that conversation, I think can really help because what you, I, I won't try to do is then influence what is being take care, taken care of perhaps in the next sprint, if it's small, or what's being added to the roadmap to get mm. resolved. Because my goal at the end of the day is to have as few tickets as possible, honestly. Right. Um, the goal of support overall is to remove obstacles to for customers achieving their desired outcomes. Mm. And part of that is not just like, all right, here's the answer in your ticket, but how do we just avoid this ticket, this question from coming up again? And right. that's where that, process of working with product management i think can really help mm, i like that I, I think you were you straight away nailed to the coffin saying i need less tickets that's the goal yeah <laughs> it's like that's the ultimate goal i don't know like you know whatever we do we have to like you know get rid of those pending tickets uh you want in previously we were like chatting before this before we before i hit record you mentioned you had experience building uh support teams from ground up like uh, you've established teams, you've established processes, you've established strategies, methods, and whatnot, right? Uh, talk to me about it. Like, how should how should a founder start a support team from ground up? Oh, great, great question. So I would start with the type of people that you're hiring. Um, so when I'm hiring folks for any kind of role, I look for three key things. One is um, subject matter expertise. So they'd be able to, you know, they have the technical foundation to learn the product or depending on the nature, right? That sort of thing. 
Second is that they're um, aspire to do more. And I think that this is critical. They're indicating, you know, I'm happy to do support, maybe L1 support, but I really want to get to L2 or I'm in L2, but I really want to be, a, I don't know, a sales engineer or a technical account manager at some point in the future. Mm -hmm. And it's like, great, that's something that I can work with. Um, because that will, generally speaking, then you'll have folks that don't just get the job done, but also look for opportunities to make improvements, kind of like make a name for themselves, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then the third area is that they're coachable. So mm -hmm. they have the first two, and then you, you, know, you want them to listen to you, take your guidance, take your feedback uh, to heart. Um, so I think that that's critical. So uh, that's what I would think about first and foremost with, with hiring new folks, those three key areas. Um, in terms of building up the support team overall, <clears throat> I would typically start with a, I would start with a level two type person. So let me just define to my mind what these levels mean. So to me, L1 is that there is, the answer is like out there somewhere in the documentation, in the knowledge base, there's the answer to the customer's questions, which is helpful right so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh but another uh goal of support in addition to helping the customers really to help engineering too because oftentimes if support can't answer a question it's getting kicked up to engineering to help answer even if it's not a bug or something that needs some code level work to fix so right. that's why i would start most likely with an l2 type of person that can really learn the product can investigate solutions mm. to problems and who ideally basically can... have skin in the game who has like not just knowledge but they have like end-to-end -end, you know uh information is that something you call yeah it like yeah so that they can do some investigation do some trial and error on their side you know so the answer isn't in the documentation you need to work it out if the, the answer to the question is possible or to figure out, do some testing. Is there a bug? Is there a customer error or something like that? And hmm. again, get back to the customer, but also protect engineering is another aspect that I would think about as well. And then once you have that in place, the tier two person, and you think about coverage and where your customers are and their needs and, and that sort of thing, then you can start to protect the L2 person with an L1 person that's answering the, uh, you know, so they can spend their time on the investigative aspect and the, the easier questions can get answered by the L1 person. Um, so in terms of people and structure, that's how I would think about it. Um, so that, that gets a little bit to goals and responsibilities. And the other area I would think about is what metrics to track, because um, sure. that'll drive behavior. And uh, there's a, you know, the, to me, what's really most important is, is the customer happy with the support that they received or not? And so um, that's why, you know, typically you look at things like CSAT um, to, as an to, as an indicator. Problem with CSAT is not everyone answers like the CSAT question. So it's kind of a sample size and Sometimes people think, well, either you, it's kind of like a Yelp review, either if you're really happy, you put it in, or if you're really unhappy, you, yeah. and everyone else kind of somewhere in the middle. Right. Um, but I would still, I would look at CSAT, you know, it's, 
it's it's typically they are built in the system so they can help. And I would look at time to first response, uh, mm -hmm. total time tickets are opened. And then something else that if you're just starting out is good to keep an eye on early on is like the backlog. So what are the tickets that in, what is your strategy for working on, for handling tickets, I should say, that are feature requests, that are low priority bugs that are not getting yeah. fixed right away. Um, so that, just to wrap it up, those key things. And I think in addition to what I already mentioned about working with product management and engineering, uh, then you'd have a, a decent foundation. And it's it feels like a lot of what you said, uh, I think the, the high level bird's eye view skill, important skill is uh, people should be team players, meaning they should really work with others you know, smoothly to handle the whole process, right? They should have this the rapport, they have the patience, they should have that, uh, like you said, knowledge, in-depth knowledge, skin in the game, so that it feels like it's, support is more of like a team game. It's not like a silo game where I get something and I work in my own head and then get back. There will be a lot of dependencies. So it's a game of team building, in my opinion, right? Uh, Talk to me about like, how do you design uh, and coach? I think the coaching aspect is really important, especially when you hire, given everything is remote right now. How do you coach and how do you kind of design the systems for people who are not with you physically in the office or, you know, in person? So any, any tips there? Um, well, I think it's important to... Um set expectations up front. So, you know, you're, you're in this role. And my expectation is that based on what we've seen historically, you'll be able to answer 75% of tickets, uh, likely working on, I don't know, eight tickets a day, 10 tickets a day, depending on the nature of the product, that sort of thing. And I think it's important early on to set a good rapport. So meet very regularly with the uh, the new hire and make sure they understand that your job, my job as their manager in this case, is to make them successful and in, in, in this new position that they have. And if they're not successful, then I, they're not, you know, they're, I'm going to assume they're working hard, but then something I'm doing is wrong. So what can I do better as the leader to make sure that they're successful, they have everything they need, they have the training they need, uh, key thing, you know, key areas are documented, they know where to look for information, uh, expectations are set well. And then I think if they understand that the manager is not only on their side, but their success is, um, how can I put it, like, their team success makes them successful. So if their team is failing, then they're failing. So uh, that's how I think about it. And I think if you have developed that sort of re good relationship, regardless of where the person is, they're mm -hmm. going to um, work to do their best and uh, you know be a great addition to the team. It, it almost feels like customer service teams are like pit stop teams. They're mm -hmm. like, they gel really well. They work like, you know, in a way that, when when things get heated, they just like you know fix it, right? Uh, and just you know support the the whole organization or the team. 
what approaches do you use to stay close to customers uh, data you know and feedback and is there a is there a is there a hidden methodology that you use that successfully you've over the 10 years of your experience at you know being in support um i mean there's the the clear things i'm sure most people do or you keep an eye on those uh the csat scores uh mm-hmm. the severe tickets you know i didn't mention it before but clearly you want to make sure that when a ticket comes in it's categorized a certain way by the sort of the receiving end like what's the severity of this issue what area of the product that sort of thing so you can get some some good metrics so i typically would look at csat scores uh severe tickets where you know things are going wrong like the application is down and customers trying to use it that sort of thing mm-hmm. um as ways to stay oh and then the third area i was trying to think, remember was you know look at the larger customers so typically in my experience in startups you have a few elephants or whatever you want to call it you know very large customers that you absolutely need to make sure are 100% satisfied so i mm. keep an eye on that as well and then as the manager as the leader follow up directly with them and so mm. they understand that someone is keeping an eye out for them understands you had this issue you can explain to them lessons learned on our side on the right. receiving end lessons learned what we're going to do better what we're going to change why it came up and uh that's in if you do that well then it can turn a negative experience hopefully into as best you can a pop, more po- a positive experience and all right i know that in this case you know, tom's team has my back that sort of thing right right and uh i'm sure i think there are like two two types of support i would say in my knowledge uh, there is this support team that works closely with very few teams of product uh, you know if you are a, if you're a big organization for example there are multiple product teams that are involved and multiple engineering teams assigned right uh, versus in startups i feel everything should be done by everybody <laughs> you switch hats immediately and you know you move uh, how do you handle that like that messiness that uncertainty you know sometimes founders want to like do support you know even though they are like you know they have a team and how do you kind of handle that clashes or avoid uh, that collision oh uh, yeah great question i think a you know as i think the key couple things come to mind one is that the support leader the customer experience leader should have a good you know positive working relationship with the head of product management with the head of engineering with the head of sales the other key internal constituents so that you know typical scenario if something goes awry then you can come together and get it sorted out without it kind of blowing up even further so that that's critical a uh, second point i wanted to make is that um those internal i called it an internal sla so having that in place before you're having to sort of figure it out on the fly when something goes wrong is critical so that everyone understands it's really about expectation setting and everyone understands okay i know that if it's a p0 ticket i'm interrupting my work i'm dropping everything and as an engineer we're getting it fixed if it's you know 
P2, then it's, you know, by the end of the sprint or P1, I'll work on it later today, you know, those kind of things. And then support knows how to update the customer and we can trust in this kind of example that engineering is going to uh, work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and in terms of others getting involved, you know, ideally the ticketing system, the system of record with everyone's using is transparent. So there isn't, it isn't like a huge shift or anything. It's okay. I'm going to use my, uh, you know, just like a Zendesk, you know, my Zendesk login, or I'm going to a lot of things, uh, last five years or so has been on Slack. So I'm going to look mm-hmm. at the shared Slack channel to see what's going on with the big customer, that sort of thing. I like that. You talked briefly about like priorities, right? Like you said priorities. Uh, <clears throat> any tips on setting like priority P1, P0, for example, are highest, right? Like they, if, if we don't address them, they're like, you know, the whole house is going to burn. <laughs> and P3 kind of like P4 are like, okay, you know, we can live with it. It's fine. So what are the what are some ways that you've implemented in the past that okay these are effective in terms of setting priorities with the team with the higher management and everybody being on the same page sure so i think of it as uh, the you know sometimes people start confusing me with p0 or people start with p1 but we'll set that aside for a second so usually the yeah. highest is uh the application is down we'll call it that way so hmm. p0 call it p0 or call it p1 or sub zero sub one whatever mm-hmm. so that's one so next level down would be major feature not working uh so parts of it are working but a key area of why people are using your product is not working so it's not something that can everyone agrees can go on for long and mm. the third area would be minor feature not working. So, um, you know, changing, customizing a UI that's sort of, oh, UI, yeah, yeah, it doesn't actually have to happen or something like that to use the product. And then when every, when people have these definitions in place, then it makes sense. Okay. Well, what kind of response should we give in support? Uh, what's our SLA guarantees? You know, a lot of times this is in the contract with the customer. What's the SLA guarantees for first response and follow-up response times? And then what kind of response rate back to engineering and product management would we get from uh, those teams as well where needed mm-hmm. to help uh, ultimately solve the issue? So I think starting with the definitions, that drives just the flag that's used, you know, how that uh, field is filled out in the system. And then you set up your triggers to alert the right people. Right. And were there any instances in your experience that you kind of are not clear? The ticket is either P1 or P2. How did you solve that? uh, Again, that uncertainty, right? Do we have to like push it or, okay, we can let go. Were there any instances and how you handle with the team? I think that's where that tier two team can really come in handy is what I've, so, you know, customers saying, you know, major feature is not working and, but no one else is reporting that this major feature isn't working, which kind of doesn't make any sense. So Hmm. have them do, or maybe it's tier one, you know, this investigative work. All right. Is I'm going to log into a backdoor to perhaps to a few key accounts, you know, is it working or not? And mm-hmm. then do our own investigation before, uh, you know, ringing the alarm bell. 
mm. then then we can make a, a final determination. And the and I just wanted to mention again something I said before too, if you don't mind. Of you know, customers will open their ticket, and sometimes people call everything a P zero just because they think it'll get faster attention. So it's really important <laughs> to have the mechanism in place to adjust that before right. things go to go to a little crazy internally with false alarms. Right. And then your partners internally are going to get upset that, again, worst case, a worst case scenario is they're kind of woken up in the middle of the night for something that really sure. is not a P0. Yeah, yeah. Talk to me about the handover process. Uh, you, I mean, not, there is not going to be like one person or a one team handling everything 24 by 7, 365, right? Like there will be like people switching shifts or like I kind of like you know taking up other people's work some people they work for you know from the, from the different time zone and whatnot so how to handle smooth handover between internally between the support team from one person to other person is there a is there a is there a good method uh, practice there well I think it's important to have a combination of the communication with the customer as well as the internal notes on the ticket so the internal notes, you would describe your thought process and what next steps would look like. Mm -hmm. And then I would revert back to, depending on the severity of the issue, it may be more, I put it this way, unless like someone's going on vacation, I wouldn't necessarily pass tickets to other people. Mm -hmm. I think that can make it more complex than it needs to be, unless it's a uh, severe issue that you really want to keep working on until it's resolved. I think that, um, you know, if the customer understands, you know, okay, well, we're going to investigate, we'll get back to you tomorrow on this, you know, not urgent, how do I question, they'd appreciate it that, you know, you went back, thought about it and come back to them the next day versus getting introduced to another person that perhaps then you run into risk that they are, you know, re-asking some questions that have already been asked and mm. not providing a great experience for that customer. Mm, I like that. I think communication is super key, uh, right? Like with your internal teams, as well as the customers who raised this, the queries. Uh, <clears throat> this can be a little like, uh, I don't know if it is super clear as in, as in as a question, but in your opinion, how does a great customer support increase business revenue or a startup's revenue? Oh, interesting. Um, <clears throat> I, I think there's a few aspects. I mean, what comes to mind is really being um, like, what's the word I'm thinking? Like thoughtful and um, yeah, I mean, honestly, just keep thinking. So if someone's asking, you know, how do I add a new X to my instance of the service? And you want to make sure that uh, your team is looking for those signals that show they're look, thinking about, you know, one side, expanding use of the product. How do I add another team? How do I add more users? That sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And then conversely, if they're indicating, you know, how do I turn this off, remove undo the slack integration or whatever it is then that shows things might be going awry so um and that that brings to mind having those 
processes in place? Does the support engineer know who the technical account manager or CSM is for that account can say, you know, hey, you know, do you think this looks like an issue? They said this in the ticket or, you know, or not an issue. It's a positive thing. And, you know, you just mentioned communication, keeping that in mind is really critical. So uh, keep, you know, they're the support engineer is the one reading through all the, tick, you know, the actual ticket word for word. And they're the one that can sound the alarm, good or bad, that, hey, there's something someone else should look at here. You know, I may not be directly responsible for revenue, for the renewal, for an expansion, but mm. I can tap the person on the shoulder that is and ask them to take a look at it. Hmm. I like that. Uh, yeah. Ultimately, I feel that's 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 the thing we all kind of like uh, root for, like to basically make customers happy so that they can spread the word and bring more customers, which will you know increase the revenue. Sure. Uh, and, and something I'd add to that as well. I don't. I kind of touched on it just briefly before. I just want to mention again is. You know, there's also the opportunity not just to answer the question, but if they're kind of like shining a light on an area of the product with their question, maybe just illuminate the rest of it for them and say, oh, it looks like you're interested in, you know, this part of the product. Here's here's some more information that may be helpful to you if you're, um, you know, if you're starting to investigate that area, then that really shows, again, a more of a deeper level of caring about about the customer and really wanting to help them and not just answer their question as briefly as possible and get on to the next mm. thing. Mm. Let's switch gears a little bit about, uh, and talk about, uh, metrics, success metrics. How do you measure? How do you, first thing I think, uh, how can you say that a support team is doing a great job? We have like a solid, support system in place we don't have to worry about it so is, there should be like some sort of metrics that should drive right like you said i think zero tickets is 100 <laughs> i would say <laughs> go from anywhere to zero that's like uh like default but anything else uh, i have i do have like a follow-up question but i just want to hear hear you out yeah i mean i would think you know i would start with uh csat uh first response time uh, the number of back and forth required with a customer to resolve the issue, total amount of time the ticket is open, and then you can start to look at productivity per person, you know, and uh, make sure the, the information is there. Um, but I do want to elaborate on something where it's important that, you know, you can't, um, that you customize the ticketing system that you're using so that someone can come back later and say, well, I wonder what questions we got about whatever, logging in or adding users. And they can filter it out and see, oh, wow, in the past quarter, we had 20 tickets about that. And they can drill into those questions. So a key area that not directly, sorry, answering your question, but key metrics, mm -hmm. I'd say support can provide to the rest of the organization are also really valuable by doing a little bit of administrative work on the tickets it allows others to get more valuable insights as to what's happening inside mm. of uh, all those tickets that are coming in. Does, does that make sense? Yeah, 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 definitely. I think uh, you've, you've talked a lot about CSAT. And I, I think I come from more of like a, a 
direct customer per se like you know there are like different types like nps is a popular way to get mm-hmm. you know surveys nps surveys customer satisfaction surveys you know so talk to me about how to set up a solid whether it is a csat or an nps survey uh, is there a is there a few things that people shouldn't miss when you You know, well, I think uh, they have each have their place. So CSAT to me is typically, and sometimes a customer give feedback in a wider area, but it's like, how did we do on this ticket? Is usually what CSAT's about, and which is important and important to track overall and compare agents to or you know support engineers or agents to each other that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. In terms of NPS, people do it different ways, but the way I like to do it is kind of like in Big Bang. So you um like community like ask the csat survey ask the question to your customers kind of like all at the same time and to me what's important there is cuz then you then you know that all right it's uh you know end of september and this is what the general thinking was but i you know a lot of people obviously look at what's the final number what's the net promoter's kind of score result mm-hmm. but what i think is more important is really looking at the comments why you asked what you did and what i've done in the past is i look at all the comments and categorize them so mm. is it positive because of the product negative because of an aspect of the product product or or about positive or negative about support or the purchasing process or something like that mm. and then show those results and depending how you do it you might know who you know who provided that answer mm-hmm. and then you can give something to you know hey product management team here's something for you to you know areas to work on or areas that are working well or engineering or support or customer success mm-hmm. or sales um and then it's also critical to make sure that your leadership team is bought into NPS or else sure if it's- then it's just never going to be a priority to address those things that are actually in the comments. Uh um in addition to that I would follow up directly with the more negative ones to see mm-hmm. to drill into what it was if they didn't answer a comment and the positive ones to see if there's an opportunity to mm-hmm. I don't know, be on a podcast, to mm-hmm. uh speak at a the next conference, to be a champion yeah. that sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like I like that a lot. uh again another another interesting topic now that you mentioned a lot of times about you know ticketing systems uh you know assigning tags they're like there are there involves a lot of tooling that that helps support accelerate the process right uh can you elaborate on the tools you use or you've used before and do you recommend any that's like they do a bang on job uh and around it like how do you leverage those tools like accelerate the process sure i mean in terms of tickets i'd say of the last few startups i've worked at we've always used zendesk mm. um which is i mean to me an interesting product where it's a little bit if you're just starting to use it it can feel like uh slightly painful but <laughs> once you get used to it then in I guess to start it can feel sort of limiting but once you know how to work with it it actually is pretty powerful because it's not overly mm. complex to mm. set up triggers to set up the tags to run your reports that sort of thing. Mm. Um 
and then the CSAT aspect is built into it as well. So that's, you're getting that information right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, looking ahead, something I'm excited about that, you know, I think is going to become more and more prevalent is just analyzing sentiment or at least getting an idea of sentiment as the support leader without CSAT having to be filled in by the customer, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, having the systems in place that can just review the tickets and give me some information about, you know, do they seem neutral, very positive, very negative, uh, you know, using some natural language type of model. Mm. I think Zendesk everywhere, you know, everybody, everybody in support is pretty much like, you know, our Zendesk expert. I wonder why some of the tools that we use or support leaders use on a day-to-day basis are so complex. Why why can't they be like super simple, intuitive, or like, you know, easy to use? Like you said, right? It, in the beginning, it feels uh, there should there is a learning curve. But eventually, of course, like, you know, as you get used to it every day, probably like it becomes much more simpler. Uh, but anyway, that's for another discussion. <laughs> Do you want to add anything? I mean, I just, I'd say in addition to that, the... Um... You know, with some, it's important to, you don't want to, we talked a lot about working with other teams and ideally you want to have information where the other team can easily consume it and do something with it. So that can mean integrating with JIRA for mm. engineering or mm-hmm. having uh, perhaps tickets available in like Salesforce to the sales team. That sort of thing mm-hmm. is also, mm-hmm. I think, a worthwhile endeavor as you get mm-hmm. get going. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's, given we've spent a chunk of time on the reactive side, uh, let's talk about the proactive side, which you're also an expert of. Talk to me about your experience at Sentry. Sentry is like an app monitoring platform, uh, you know, supporting developers, uh, that community. Talk to me about like some of the challenges you faced uh, and how did you overcome doing support or great customer experience for developers? Oh, sure. I mean, I think so. It's a, you know, Century's pretty well known company. Mm-hmm. So lots of users. And the users actually, the companies are of various sizes. It could be very small startups or very large. The largest enterprises also use Century as well. So mm-hmm. on the CS side, it's really important to the um, um, uh, segmenting your customers. So, mm-hmm. and that, drives how you work with them. So on the enterprise side, you mm-hmm. have a relatively low ratio to accounts to CSM on the enterprise mm-hmm. side. So they can mm-hmm. spend a, a good amount of time with them. Typically, mm-hmm. it feels like they're always expanding to a new application that the enterprise is developing. So there's always some work to do, get the new people trained, make sure the integration is working well. Maybe they're trying out one of the new features that have been released, that sort of thing. And really providing that white lo- white glove level of treatment. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the mid-level tier, it's a, you know, at Sentry, from my experience, the, you know, each CSM can handle a pretty good number of accounts, you know, we'll say a ballpark, like 70 to 100, 50 to 100, that sort of thing. And there it's important to have other tools in place that really help them keep an eye on things. So, like uh, we implemented Gainsight, for example, to keep track mm-hmm. of customers, mm-hmm. to under, better understand health score, piped mm-hmm. in information about how those customers are using the product. 
so mm. that you can uh, respond. If it looks like there's a drop in usage or someone's trying out a new area of the product, you can offer assistance, that sort of thing. Mm. And then the third level is more on the, we called it there, the self-service tier and leveraging other types of tools so that you can, the customer can, um, you know, use the product, but maybe you're all using a system like a Pendo or something like that. So you're offering assistance when needed. And then there's a real person at the other end to help them when they raise their hand, but you're mm -hmm. trying to guide them and using more of a, a digital uh, CSM type of solution. Um, and just one more thought on the CS side of things. To me, it's important that uh, everyone on that side also is, is knows as much about the product as possible. And I think that every time you mm. interact with the customer, that it's important, you know, you're adding value directly to them and you're able to answer basic questions, can provide basic training, that sort of thing, and bring in other experts, uh, product experts when you need them. But right. um, that's, you know, it shouldn't necessarily just be focused on the renewal on, you know, sort of the sales aspects, but I think mm. the CSM should again, be able to help them similar to, similarly to support, you know, how do I, how am I helping you get to your desired outcome with Sentry or whatever the product is in this case and expand that value over time. And when, when it becomes proactive, right, you should basically take charge. Uh, you should do a lot of initiatives by, by yourself, your team, uh, you should approach for feedback and whatnot. What are some creative ways that you've did at Sentry, like, you know, your your experiences in Stana, Tekton, like, you know, previously at customer success teams you worked with. Are there any creative ways that teams can deliver great customer experience, customer success? I mean, I think that it all boils down to... Um, what specifically are they trying to achieve? So is the customer trying to achieve, you know, maybe it's uh, move off the old solution and beyond the new solution in three months. Maybe it's um, add more applications that are using the monitoring tool in a certain amount of time. Maybe it's gained, get better visibility to some issue that they're having. So, uh, where possible, and you can definitely do it on the enterprise level, we talked about the customer segments, really having deep understanding what is, you know, over the next two months, three months, four months, once they're past the onboarding stage, what are the specific goals that they're after? And then you can, you know, you'd be, uh, they're going to be really, the customer is going to be really happy because that's what's important to them. Uh, you know, in the back of your mind, sure, you can introduce them to the new features you'd love for mm -hmm. them to be mm -hmm. using, but you shouldn't lose sight of their goals. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, can you share an instance where you've used your uh, customer journey experience, customer success uh, insights and implemented or suggested through for business strategy, like, Hey, this is the overall voice. Is there a process that you, where you establish in a way that the cadence is not only, uh, is applicable for 
the developer the engineering teams and the product teams but beyond like how did you like kind of blend because customer is ultimately important right so uh yeah any do you have like any instance where you've really impacted the whole business strategy um i think um hmm i didn't i didn't mean to put you on spot but I, i'm sure you you you've you've done a ton so i'm sure there will be like couple of instances like hey this actually changed the direction because you know we as a team we gave the insights from directly came from the customers you know to the higher management or whatever the the founding team for example um well uh, there was at a previous startup there was an example where uh a large enterprise wanted to use the solution but use it on prem mm-hmm. and versus you know in the cloud and so what we saw was necessary to make that happen was to have a technical account manager 100% dedicated to that account to make mm-hmm. sure that the on prem system uh remained functional and that this large enterprise was continually getting their questions answered and they were getting trained as needed so that's mm-hmm. an area where we hadn't necessarily expected to invest in a, mm-hmm. a tam that focused on one customer mm-hmm. uh but it was an area that uh, you know was turned out to be necessary and mm-hmm. by going through that it really pinpointed and it's maybe kind of answering your question kind of a a different way it showed like the product honestly was not ready to be on prem at that time mm. uh and that it is probably not something that we'd want to continue selling until more work was done into it done with it to make sure it was easier to manage for customers so mm. um yeah that, that's one aspect i would say where we drove i think business strategy and you know away from a bad direction into closer to more of a right direction <laughs> you you steered the ship a <laughs> uh, couple of more questions before we wrap up one of the things i feel is more like a general question what advice do you give for someone who's aspiring a career in either customer support or like you know customer success oh yeah great um i think that <clears throat> the Hmm. I think that it's important to let's talk about support first. So, you know, to hone your communication skills. One, so can you write effectively, communicate effectively, uh translate complex, you know, uh information into something mm-hmm. that's easily under can easily be understood. Are you if it's an air, if you know, like, man, I really want to work at AWS. I really want to work at, I don't know, Salesforce or wherever, you know, spend the time, uh, as best you can to learn as get the certifications, learn as mm-hmm. much about the product as possible. So you do have that level of subject matter expertise and then, um, you know, go in open-minded and, mm. uh, ready, willing, and able to learn and grow more. and hopefully that'll come through in the interview process. Mm. Um in terms of the CS side, I think that, you know, I, what I see in out there now is they're kind of people are kind of pulled in a couple different areas. A lot of companies CSMs are heavy on the sales side. 
So it can be really important to understand things like the medic methodology for selling, uh, you know, things like challenger sale, that sort of thing. Mm. And um, on the other side too, it's important still um, to be able to understand the product. So if you're a CSM and you're in the security space, it, the more you can learn about uh, security or it's a different space, DevOps space, whatever, the more you can learn, the more effective you'll be in helping your customers. So mm. CSM can be tricky because it's kind of really like a jack of all trades and you know needing to understand working with the customer or doing CSM tasks as well mm. as having your sales hat on sometimes and your product hat on sometimes. Mm. And um, I think though that the support, support is a great entry point into most companies. Mm. And that a lot from there, you learn the product, you learn what your customers are up to. And uh, if you do a great job there, then it should, if it's a good organization, it should open doors otherwise uh, and help you expand your career internally. I love that. Last question. Uh, If you were to put a pin on three main important qualities, customer support folks and customer success support, customer success folks should carry, uh, what would those three be? Um. I think that they should have, you know, I already mentioned communication skills is one. So that is one. And then I would say rigor. So Mm -hmm. rigor in that there's a key, you know, there's following what's been set up so that your leadership can ensure that you're doing the things that have been mapped out. So Mm -hmm. you're, you're, um, pursuing, you know, you're following up on tickets. If you're the customer hasn't been answering, you're following the SLA, uh, you're doing the onboarding, you're checking in with your customers, you're keeping an eye on the Slack channels, that sort of thing, perhaps on the CS side as well. And then may seem a little bit conflicting. And then the third area quality is uh, creativity. So bring in your own perspective. So your uh, you're communicating well, you're doing the thing, you're following the processes as they've been set up, but you're also raising your hand sometimes and saying, you know, maybe, you know, I've talked to 10 customers and, you know, maybe there's a better way we can do this. That's, mm. uh, those kind of insights are, are really important and will help uh, show that you're a deeper thinker and you have more to contribute as, as well. So uh, I would definitely keep that in mind. I, I like the third one because, uh, of course, you know, great communication, great rigor, both are really important. Uh, the intensity part, you know, in, in the first mm-hmm. two. I think the third one is really important. Uh, I like it a lot because uh, given support and success, there is like, there will be a time where everything is already set up, right? You just it's plug and play. Because everything is like, everything should work in certain ways. So that's where I feel people should challenge themselves and say, hey, I'm not going to follow or think inside the box. I'm going like, you know, find a way to like get more creative and do something different with all, which also gives maximum impact. It's not like, you know, so I feel experimentation and, you know, creativity, you know, play a key role in that. 
Uh, yeah, and that reminds me. Just one more thought on that is, uh, you know, I, when once things are set up, I always think of it about as a, it's like a house, and it's still like mm. ten years later. Maybe it's not ten years in this case. It needs to be remodeled. So you right. definitely need that creativity to come back, and the people on working directly with the customers often have uh, can bring great ideas to the table. I love that. I love that analogy. Uh... <laughs> Tom, this has been great. My God, you know, I, I didn't even realize that we, we spoke for 55 minutes straight. <laughs> it was so fun. I learned a ton. There were so many insightful, uh, you know, answers from you and so many like, you know, uh, the tooling, name it like the suggestions, tips, advices and whatnot, the processes and everything else. So appreciate you for taking time. Anything that you want to, you know, say before we close out the episode? No, I mean, thank you very much for the opportunity as well. It's been great. Really enjoy the conversation. Love it. Uh, that's it, folks, for, for this time. We have some amazing guests, support leaders coming to the show. And my job is to like unpack and learn as much as you can and deliver the value to you guys. So I'm enjoying thoroughly these conversations and uh, stay tuned for more. Uh, we're just getting started. So do definitely follow us uh, in our multiple channels. We'll, we'll put all this uh, in the show notes and we'll put Tom's info as well. But uh, that's it for now. That's a wrap. And, you know, cheers for now. <laughs>